Hello and welcome to this episode of the Ranting Atheist Podcast. Today on Story of an Atheist, I'd like to share the recording of a conversation that I had with a fellow Nigerian atheist. Now, this guy is a journalist, a writer, an activist. You must have seen him on Twitter. He is very, very passionate about this country. He exposes a lot of uh, bullshit that this government has been doing. And sadly, you know, because we have animals in power, he has to go in hiding for his life. And it was kind of surprising, I was shocked that he actually agreed to have this conversation with me, to share his story as an atheist. Being an atheist, being a journalist, being a writer, you know, sharing his whole story, and knowing his current situation, being on exile. And I really, I really appreciate him for giving me the, the opportunity to talk to him, despite the risk. So before we, we hear the recording of our conversation, please kindly subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or any other place you get your podcast. Then please check us out on Clubhouse, the Free Thinkers Hangout. We, we create rooms at least once a week to have discussions on different issues that are bothering us. So please come. If you are, if you are, if you are using Android, it's available on Android now. Clubhouse is available on, on Android. So please join us, have discussions, or if you are not able to talk, sit down and listen. Uh, whenever it's safe for you to contribute, contribute, and it's all good. So without uh, any delay, let's go and listen to the recording of the conversation I had with David. Uh, I think uh, was it? I think it was in June or so. Hello, David, and welcome to Story of an Atheist. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for accepting my invite. How are you doing today, man? <laughs> well, as as well as possible to do under the, the circumstances. So, not yeah. very well, but but well enough. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's Nigeria is really it's really a case, but we move. Sure. <laughs> We move. One way or the other. Yeah. So uh the listener right now would like to know who is on the other end of, of this episode. Um your name, they like to know your name, now your location. We don't want to know that understanding your circumstance. Um instead of asking your age, what I usually ask is uh Gen Z or Millennial, that kind of thing. Then what do you do for a living? So my name is David Day. Um mm. I am definitely millennial. Mm. Later right. stage millennial, but still okay. millennial. Actually, no, sorry, mid stage millennial. I'm right in the middle. Okay. All right. Um, I I do a lot of things, but the, the, what takes the majority of my time, um, what makes up the majority of my portfolio, is investigative journalism. Mm. Uh, more than that, I'm actually a writer. Um, right. Journalism is just one of the ways in which I tell stories. Yeah, I'm a writer, but I'm. I'm best best known for being an investigative journalist. However, in a previous uh, my previous iteration, okay. I actually used to write for a TV comedy show. Uh, you might oh. have heard of it. It was called uh, The Other News with Okay Bakasi. Mm, it was on channel. Yeah, it was a yeah, it was a political satire show, um, okay. modeled after the format of The Daily Show, whichever know. Oh, okay. And that was a writer on the show. Yeah, so that was me in a previous iteration. Before then, I used to work in PR. So you know, I've reinvented myself three or four times in the past seven years. So you know, but yeah, but writing, writing um, is the cocoa. Uh, sorry, what? I said writing is your your main. Yeah, 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 yeah. Writing is the main state. It's, it's yeah. what's what brings the bread home. So yeah, I'm I'm currently in exile. Can't go back home. Um, yeah. Otherwise, I'll get deported, which I would 
which I would prefer, you know, not to happen because I think mm-hmm. I still have some time. Um, under asylum protection, actually, which is why I'm not allowed to stay with country I'm in. And yeah, that's pretty much all there is to know about me. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. That is, that's not an easy situation, man. No, it isn't. It isn't at all. Uh, wow. So now, um, our listener would like to know, um, what, was your re- what was your religious background like? Okay, so I was raised as a Jehovah's Witness. My parents oh, were Jehovah's wow. Witnesses. My, yeah, my sole surviving parents, but my mom is a Jehovah's Witness still. Okay. Um, so I was raised in the Jehovah's Witness family. And um, if you know anything or two about anyone who knows something about the Jehovah's Witnesses, understands yeah. how, how um, militant. I don't want to use the term. I don't want to use the term closely knit because that sounds very uh, that that sounds very tame and harmless. How uh, yeah, I don't want to use the term cultic either because like <laughs> I haven't built up. I, no, okay. no, it, 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 it's it's accurate, but I haven't built up to that yet. So I'm looking okay. for something. I'm going to say how. Um, let's just let's just leave the the adjective that I'm looking for. But <laughs> suffice to say that um, it's a very it's a highly incestuous highly restrictive, Ooh. highly controlled environment. So uh, the people you interact with, the work that you do, yeah. the, the recreation, the rec- recreational activities that you have, your hobbies, uh, every, pretty much your entire life, as you know, it is dictated out of Brooklyn, New York by 12 yeah. white men. High control. Yes, the, exactly. It's, a, it's the definition of a high control group. Wow. Right. And, I was blessed, shook, cursed hmm. with uh, extreme self-awareness from a very young age. Okay. So I'd say, I'd say, from when I was maybe five or six years old, I already knew that I didn't, I didn't like this. I didn't want to do this. Now, obviously, I was, I had been brought up and brainwashed, you know, to believe that it yeah. was the truth. Right. Yeah. They, they, they actually use the term "the truth" to describe themselves. Hmm. So it's the truth. That's that's a. It's like it's. I mean, if you've heard of a term called a, a neuro-linguistic programming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jehovah's Witnesses are are the chiefs and high priests of neuro-linguistic programming. Yeah, they have all manner of terms and terminology and lingo and languages and jargon specifically created and designed and intended to keep you like to to keep you in a feedback loop. Hmm. Right. It's true because it's true because it's true because it's true and so on like that. So yeah, the longer you spend their Bible, are we? exactly, they have mm-hmm. their own Bible translation. They have several hundreds of books which they, they release almost on hmm. yeah on a yearly basis. So you have so my family library at home, for example, Ooh. there are actually two family libraries at home. There was a regular library, yeah. and then there was the religious library, the JW library, where I. I don't think we had we had anything fewer than a thousand unique publications mm-hmm. in there. So it's essentially possible to spend your whole life doing nothing but like, reading nothing but JW propaganda, basically. So, which is why the longer you spending you spend in there, yeah. the more difficult stroke impossible it is to actually get out, get out. to actually live, live a productive life outside. Even those who do get out at a relatively older age more than often end up going back because they simply don't know how to function in the world outside. Yeah. Because that's how good it is at controlling your life. Now, from that early age, I decided that this wasn't what I wanted to do. I had seen enough of the, I'd seen glimpses of the lives that my friends from school had outside of the JW, you know, cult yeah. and 
I I knew that this was this was what I wanted. I didn't want to go to a kingdom hall three times a week and sit oh, down and listen to people saying oh, things that I wasn't interested in. I didn't want to go out carrying a bag every Saturday and Sunday yeah, in yeah. mile twelve K two Ecosi. You know, walking around, you know, face, dirty face me, I face you is that smell of pee. I knew I didn't want to do that, right? Yeah. And you and especially as I got older, I re, when I started to like take more notice of the fact that these people who we're going to talk to were suffering. There's no other way to put it. We're act, actively suffering. Like, and then to put that in context, we lived in an eight-bedroom mansion in Okajere. We had six cars. Wow. So then we we had this extremely, almost offensively privileged lifestyle. And then we go to the Kingdom Hall, park our nice car there, and then get down on foot and start walking around with our bags, you know, performing humility and telling mm. poor people that their problems oh, can be solved by the kingdom of God, you know. And uh, really, what was what would solve their problem? Maybe you, if you could sign a check for them, yeah. that would solve their problem. But instead, they are there bullshitting them and telling them, you know, feeding them tales, you know. As I got older, I, I started to realize, I started to feel that there was something intensely immoral about that. That this was utter bullshit. Like you don't live your life on these terms, right? Yeah. You do. You take practical actions. You. You are not poor. You will never be poor. So why are you going around telling people that it's okay for them to be poor and trying to maintain them in their poverty? Like, why on earth would you do that? That's, I found that, very, I, I, I found that increasingly offensive the older that I got. I think it's a type of like social consciousness that I started to develop like almost on my own. So I think it was when I was, uh, when I was about, let me say, 14 or 15. Okay. Again, I still thought that this thing was somehow the truth, but True. I just it just didn't like with me. So that means that there was something wrong with me because you know I didn't like the truth. <laughs> and I remember around that time, I like one day I, f- I forget what, what it was exactly that happened, and I remember just thinking to myself that man, fuck this. Like if you know uh, surviving into the new world or paradise as they call it, whatever it is, yeah, you know, resurrected if. If, if the price of that is that I don't get to live the life that I want now, then I don't want it. After all, you know, in that new world, who is it going to be? Is it the, so those people I meet every week at the Kingdom Hall, those are the people who are going to be in the new world. And then all my friends from school, they are not going to be there because they're going to be destroyed. Right. Not new world. So why the hell would I want to be in a new world with people from the Kingdom Hall? I don't want to be there with them. So I literally made that decision that, you know what? If I'm, if I'm destroyed at Armageddon, I'm perfectly fine with it. You know, take you can. I didn't, I couldn't obviously express that opinion, yeah. but I just had it in my head. Because obviously I was financially dependent on my parents. I was living under their roof, eating their food and their tuition yeah, so. fees. So I, so I think it was when I was, um, when I was 17 or when I was just about to turn 17, actually I was 16. Um, I read, um, so how it actually started was, it was actually like some random novel. I think it was a Dan Brown novel okay. that I read. I forget the name. And it was just like an airport thriller kind of novel. It wasn't a serious thing. But there was something that, there was something like randomly mentioned in the book that made me think, okay, like I want to find out more about this. I think the, it mm. made a passing reference. It made a passing reference to uh, 88 gospel accounts. Okay. And that was the first time I was ever seeing something like that. Like, because I'd always thought that there are four gospel accounts. It's not marked the That's yeah. it. And then it so turned out that the family library at home, we actually had the, um, there's a particular Bible translation that has so-called, there's a term for them, but basically the um, other books of the Bible 
the Bible that weren't added to the okay, Bible canon. Them, uh, apocrypha, something like that. Apocryphal books, exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah. And like that was the first time like like the carefully constructed story of Christianity started to like sort of fray around the seams. Construct, yeah. Like, hang on, wait. Why why didn't I know this before? Why haven't I been told before that there weren't only sixty-six books in the Bible mm-hmm. and that it was it was a man who made the decision so to pick them. these sixty-six mm-hmm. books and that there were apparently more than there were eighty-eight known gospel accounts and that it was uh, it was a Roman Caesar of all mm-hmm. people who oh. made the call as to which books, which gospel accounts to include in the Bible canon, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And that was when for the first time it sort of clicked in my head that wow, well, okay. This is a Roman state religion, actually, for building and maintaining an empire. Yeah. That's actually what this is. This isn't some kind of like perfect ideology or something. This is <laughs> this is statecraft. Huh. Like it just clicked in my head, like all of a sudden, like wow. So this is what this is. And from that moment, I think it's fair to say. I mean, I didn't use the term atheist to describe myself until much, much, much later. But I think it's fair to say that at that point, that was where. To all intents and purposes, what you would describe as my atheism actually began. For a long, for a long time, for the longest time, I used the, the term agnostic. Okay. To myself, because I think agnostics are—they're <laughs> probably going to come after me for saying this. <laughs> but agnostics are, are, are atheists who just who are too pussy to be identified as atheists. <laughs> so it's easier to just say I'm agnostic. You know, mm-hmm. I believe I believe in everything. And I believe in nothing at all. I'm just. Please leave me alone. Don't hurt me. You know, because saying you're atheist sounds uh, sounds aggressive. It sounds yeah. like you're telling someone you, you, your God is a fraud. Your God doesn't <laughs> exist. You know, fuck your God. Fuck you your know, God. That, that's that's how it comes across. So you know that word sort of you know, rubs people off the wrong way. So I didn't use it for the longest time. And in fact, um, it, a lot a lot of the time. Like when I'll be filling a form at maybe a Nigerian government institution or something, and okay. there will be a space for religion. religion. A lot of the time, I'll just fill in Christian because it's just easier. So avoid it's just easier. Discussion, explanation. Yeah, to avoid like long stories, it's just easier. There was a, there was the one time I filled in um, I filled in none, and like literally like it caused this huge fury. I think it was it was at the bank actually. I was trying to open a bank account. I think this was in. This was 2007, actually, mm-hmm. when I just uh, I just finished high school. I, I was getting into Igbenedon University, so I was opening my first bank account in Nigeria. Is there any bank account? I can't forget. It was at uh, Okada, at Okada, at Igbenedon yeah. University, Okada branch, and I filled in none. And the guy, the customer service guy, just what do you mean? Like you, you feel? I said, yeah, none. And the guy was like, ah. so like, are you not a are you not a Christian? I said, no, mm-hmm. I don't. And then he just, like, he just wouldn't stop asking questions. And then other people joined in and it just became a circus. And from that point, I learned very quickly that it's, there are some places where it's just easier to just identify yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, there was, a, there was also a time when I, I went through a phase, uh, when I was going through my, like, Hotep Pan-Africanist phase after university, where I started, I started identifying myself as a, as, a, as a practitioner of African traditional religion. Yeah, even though I had no fucking clue what African traditional religion was, how to do it. I actually like went on YouTube and started like trying to like, you know, Aboru, Aboye, Aboshishe, you know, <laughs> trying to learn the Odu Ifa and whatnot, you know, because that was like part of this sort of like 
perfect, you know, African identity I was trying to build for myself. Before I, much later, I sort of like grew out of that phase and realized that it's actually bullshit, you know, African bullshit or an, a Middle Eastern bullshit. It's all bullshit because when, um, like now, this whole African religion traditional, I used to ask when people argue with me that okay, Christian is on the pot, Juju is walking now. You believe Juju? I said, No. Then I said, What? I said, Look at now, if Juju was walking, Juju had the perfect opportunity to prove itself when the Europeans came to invade our land. Yeah, and it failed on a on a massive level. So there's nothing you can tell me about Juju. Juju works. Juju did not work when it it needed to work. So all the only people are just saying because a lot of uh, these want Juju to be real, so that the villain is real, so the hero must be real. That is their own their own thinking, and it's really sad. That's what keeps the loop going. So they need that traditional religion to be real, so that they can also say their Jesus or their Allah is real, which is ironic. Which is very sad. So now. Um, you said around that, yeah, it was around you were, before you entered investing. Now that's when you you had that uh, that switch, but you were not identifying yet, Abby. Yeah, I wasn't. I, I was intentionally not um, self-identifying as a. I think it was. It wasn't until I got into university because, like, so I spent a year at Kudedi, and then I transferred. Then I moved to the UK. Okay. So when I went to university in the UK, which obviously is a completely different, significantly more progressive kind of environment, I yeah. think that was where. For the first time, it became okay to call yourself to be that thing. Yeah, like and it, and it wasn't a big deal. Like if you see, if you say you're atheist, it wasn't like it wasn't a good thing or a bad thing. It was just like, a thing. So it was like uh-huh. saying like okay, so yeah, it was like saying so. you're Muslim or you're Christian or you're Buddhist or anything. Nobody really give a shit. So yeah, so when I came back to Nigeria in 2013, um, again I had to go through that circle of like identifying as Christian nominally, you know, keeping yeah. up appearances. I was living in my parents' house up until 2015, so I still had to accompany them to their kingdom hall oh, twice a week. So when they well, never once knew. a week actually. No, they never knew. I didn't tell them because you know I was living under the roof. So okay. something else you need to understand about Jehovah's Witnesses is that uh, they have no uh, they have no problem with using um, sure. financial situation against you, huh. none whatsoever. So uh, my parents were always very, 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 very blatant about it. That if if you leave Jehovah, I wouldn't leave you. Oh, yeah. yeah. So the expensive education you get to have, this lifestyle you get to enjoy, all of it, you're going to lose everything if you dare step out of life. They were very clear about that. So eventually, in 2015, when I decided that I was done with it, I wanted to strike out. I also understood that that meant I was turning my back on um, an economic side of things too. Yeah, I understood that clearly, but I made that decision. Um, I guess what also made the decision slightly easier to make was that I, there was a woman involved. Like I was, I was going off literally to get married to a non-Jehovah Witness, which is mm. like one of the most Ridiculous. forbidden things you can do. Huh. Yeah, so I, I, I thought I was in love. So I guess that that made it easier to just sort of like tell them to go fuck themselves, which is pretty <laughs> much what I did. <laughs> I literally, I remember it was first of October, twenty fifteen, when I moved out. And I literally had a shouting match with my mom. I just had moved out really. And I just come back. So I asked dad if I could take, there was a, in the outhouse, there was like a disused fridge and AC and whatnot. So I'd asked dad if I could take those things. And he had said, yes. So I came mm. back to the house to take them. And then like mom sort of like started a shouting match. And I had a huge shouting match with her. And I basically told her, look, man, 
I'm not doing. You and this is like carry down your religion and stuff it inside your pocket. I'm not interested. Mm. You know, and that was that. And then a few days later, I came by with, uh, with I didn't even invite them to my wedding. I just notified them that I'm getting married and I'm I am fulfilling all righteousness by informing you. But this is not an invitation because I know you won't even come. So I'm not even inviting you. Wow. Because yeah, yeah, in my in my brother's case, they didn't go to his wedding because he did the same thing. He married a married a Catholic girl, so okay. they didn't go to the wedding. So I was like, I'm not even going to give you that opportunity to turn me down. Yeah, so if you don't want, like, I'm not even you are not invited. I'm just telling you so that you know. Yeah. So yeah, um, it's it's it, it was it was a bit ironic, I guess, that the person I was getting married to wasn't actually atheist. Far from it, in fact. You know. Ooh person was a Pentecostal, right. so which was which was interesting so again like something else that that I, I later came to understand about myself was that even though i i i am functionally atheist i i, I don't believe in the sort of judeo-christian concept of a god or yeah. pretty much any known human concept of a god yeah um that doesn't necessarily mean that uh i i don't I don't value any kind of religious belief at all. Okay. Right. Like, so, um, and I'll explain what I mean by that. All right. Now, if you're talking about, if you're talking about a Pentecostal who is like, like speaking in tongues, i.e. babbling like a child, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> I, have, I, have no, I have no patience for such things. I'm not interested because this is just from top to bottom. It's bullshit. I can tell you where it came from. I can tell you who invented it. I can tell you what purpose it serves. The whole Pentecostalism in a nutshell is one huge flaming ball of trash, right? Mm. But if you, were to, if you were to tell me, for example, that you're Catholic, right? Yes, I know the Catholic Church itself has one, has probably the longest history of being a flaming dumpster fire. Oh, we know God. that, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, the uh, child, child abuse kind of... Yes. The, uh, the constant uh, meddling in politics over the centuries. We know yeah. that. The, um, the amount of bodies that the Catholic Church has it's on its tab, hmm. we know that, right? Yes. But if you had to tell me in a Nigerian context, say an Igbo person, for example, from Imo State or from Abia or somewhere is yeah. Catholic. The Catholic identity in that context, has it, uh, is it, has it ever been constructive? To an extent, yes. So the mission schools, so yeah. like typically the, basically what made the then Eastern region, which we now know as Southeast, basically yeah. what made it economically, um, economically productive, the, the manpower that made it economically, economically productive was essentially the result of Catholicism. Oh, wow. Right? The Catholic church literally, literally went in and established mission schools all over the place. Like okay. the Nigerian government on its own didn't have the ability to, to do those things and, and probably wouldn't have, even if it had the ability, because why the hell the Nigerian government can spend his money to educate Igbo people? Those things, those things don't happen in Nigeria, right? Yeah. It was the Catholic church that did that. So I can sort of understand they, if, they, if somebody who adheres to a Catholic faith in Nigeria places some kind of value on it, I can see what value it might have. Hmm. Right, so I can, I, on based on that value that it has offered, I can respect it. Right? Yeah. If you say a Methodist, with and the Methodist had had a similar impact in Southwest, I can respect it. I mean, my mom went to 
the the Methodist Girls High School actually, okay. and she was there. On, she was there on a scholarship because her family was way too poor to be able to afford the tuition fees. Wow! But the school let her stay there because she was a gifted child, mm. right? Yeah. So, 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 but if you tell me that uh, you belong to some uh, Izala sect of Islam from Jos. Hmm. Or he belonged to Chris Chris Oyaki Lomez Church or David Oyedekos Church. I'm just like I'm not interested in anything to do with you. Uh, I went to I went to the old school. They are charging them serious money. Yeah. So uh, going back to what I was saying about being married to 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 somebody to yeah. um it um I I tried the best I could to sort of make it work sort of ignore the contradictions and to just try not to get pissed off by the blah 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 blah, 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 blah thing that they used to do. So right? Because I really sorry. Yeah, 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 but more it was more the case that the family she came from oh you know was okay. was was very very much into the thing. Okay. You know, and because I was coming from a context where like my parents really didn't want to fuck with me at that point. So I sort of got assimilated into this other family. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then I ended up having to always be in the room when somebody's going, blah, 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 blah. And like, I'd just be rolling my eyes. Like what the fuck is this nonsense? <laughs> but I couldn't, again, I couldn't express that thought. I guess these are the things that also contributed to what the eventual end of that relationship. It wasn't, it wasn't really going to work to be fair. Um, it wasn't really fair on either of us, but it, anyway, that's past tense. It's fine now. So, and then after that, I think that was when I really became sort of almost like militant about, you know, being known as atheist. Like I stopped hiding. Like I was in Nigeria and I said, fuck it. I'm, it I, take your God and put it inside your jeans pocket. I don't want to hear. I don't want to know. Like go away. Take that shit out of my face. Nigeria is a secular country. That's exactly. what the constitution that's, said. Exactly. Yeah. Is in theory, they are so, just theoretically secular. Yeah, and that's pretty much the the space that I've I've been at since maybe 2018. Now, obviously, this doesn't mean that I'm you know, I'm going around telling telling religious people that they don't have sex. Yeah, but it but it means that when it calls for it, I'm not afraid to to call them out on their bullshit. Like when recently I saw a uh, saw a video. Um, the Greenfield University students that were yes, kidnapped. Yes, that's what the Twitter I saw that really triggered me to reach out. There were a couple of them who were rescued, and you were seeing the family members of the rescued people. Like it wasn't even as if like they were in a heightened state of emotion and thanking God out of that heightened state of emotion. No, it was more like like ah yes, God has done it. Mm. Like our enemies have, have said something, but look how our God has blah 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 that kind of. And it was like, dude. How many of them died? So the God didn't do it for those ones. Like, what the fuck is your problem? Why do you have to come across as such a dick? You know? You don't realize. And that that really triggered me. And I like, I went on this sort of rant about it. Like, why that? Why do religious people have this obsession with being better than their neighbor? Yeah. Like, instead of of everybody being objectively better off, all you're interested in is you individually being better. God did it for you only. Why is that a thing? Why is that the thing? So, yeah, and it 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 got a bunch of responses. It, it got itself onto Insta blog. Oh, I, I just muted. They are very touchy when it comes to their religion. I know it's not the first time because I've <laughs> I've gone after their daddy Gio before in 2019, and <laughs> I know how that went. <laughs> I have very 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 thick skin, and I have a very 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 active block button as well. So I'm not really interested. 
<laughs> going back and forth with you. Oh, you go tired for blocking, you know? Yeah, I think on my block list, I don't think I think I have I have something like four thousand people on my block yeah. list. What? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Um, I don't hesitate to use it. Like once you just come with a certain type of energy, and I don't want to engage. I don't want to interact with you. I just block. I say you'll be fine. Like I see it. Like I'm doing you a favor. If I'm really that much of a, an irritation to you, then I'm doing you a favor. You don't have to see me anymore. So I just block yeah, you. Yeah. Very simple. Fucking hell. Fucking hell. This country, man. Now, this whole, uh, your story now, there might be a, I don't know, maybe a questioning Jehovah witness that, that is going through something similar of what you went to, what you went through. What would you advise such a person to do with the whole high control environment? Um... The number one thing is to 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 know what is going on inside your own head first. And what I mean by that is a lot of people who have these sort of doubts or who are not really enjoying their time there or they just know something is wrong and they don't know what it is. The issue a lot of them face is that instead of sitting down to properly think through the issues, think through their like examine what is going on in their own head and decide what it is that they want and then build a plan based on that objective information, they just like, they just sort of move around with this like toxic mix of emotions just swirling around in their head. And I think I make you do stupid things. Yeah. So for example, if you're in that situation, what you don't want to do is one day in a moment of rashness or weakness or whatever, you just want to blurt out your folks that you don't believe in religion or blah, 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 because they will throw you out. They Mm. will do it. And I've seen it happen to other people, by the way. There's a guy currently I know of who is at university and he's putting himself through university because hmm. his dad kicked him out. So it happens. And they will, don't think that your, your, your parents will be, will, <laughs> will hesitate to do it. They won't. They're Jehovah's Witnesses. They're brainwashed. They will do it. Yeah. My parents would have done it, right? If I gave them the opportunity to do it, they would have done it. Hmm. In fact, my, my, my brother who sort of gave them the opportunity to do it, although he was already in his final year in medical school, at that point, they did it. Cut so he was in off. final year med school and they, they cut him off financially. They did that. Fuck. So basically spent his final year. Thankfully, his tuition fees were paid. But he spent his final year in med school sort of like working side jobs as well to keep, you know, to put food on his table. Wow. That's what Jehovah's that, that's what Jehovah's witness parents do. So think very carefully in your inside yourself, right? You don't you don't need to express this to anybody. Yeah. Right? Absolutely anybody. Like you have to learn to be your own confidant, right? Because you are, you can't really trust anyone in that situation. You really can't, right? Think about what it is that you actually want, right? Do you actually like does this religion uh, repel you on the doctrinal level? Is there is it something about the doctrine that repels you? And then if and then if it turns out there's something about the doctrine that repels you, you then need to accept that if there's even one thing about that doctrine that repels you, it means that there is no um, there's no midpoint, there's no negotiating with this thing. As soon as you have the circumstances that permit you to leave, you have to leave altogether. Because the JW faith is not a faith that allows you to mix and match. It's not a faith that allows you to be half in, half out. Yeah. It's not a faith that allows you to agree with some stuff and disagree with some stuff. It doesn't let you do that. It's not a it's not a faith for intellectual people. It's not. Huh. Right? It's a faith, it's a dogmatic faith, 100 percent You either agree with all of it or you agree with none of it. There is no middle ground. Which is how come when a JW leaves, they tell the person's family members and friends to stop talking to him. Yeah. They're not even allowed to say greeting to you. That's how that faith works. So 
in that situation I was in where you, you're not having a great time, you're living at home under your parents' roof, you're eating their food, they're paying for your school fees and whatnot, so you can't express how unhappy you are. The most important thing you need to do is learn to admit to yourself, first of all, that you are unhappy and why you are unhappy, and then what it is that you want to do as soon as your circumstances permit it, which will then lead to drawing up a plan inside yourself. You don't have to draw out a plan on paper or anywhere where anybody can, can discover it. Yeah. It can just be inside your head. So if, for example, you are 15 years old, right, and you yeah. know that, like, you know, your mates at school are getting to explore, you know, their new teenage bodies, they're having experiences that you don't get to have. All you're doing is, you know, family study and personal study and going out to preach okay. and all that. But, and you know you don't like it, right? Yeah. What you may need to do is sit down inside and inside your head, plot out a course of action over the next maybe three to four years that will get you from where you are to where you want to be. So if, for example, your escape from that situation is university, then that means that there are some certain grades that you need to get. Yeah. So then you throw yourself into getting those grades, right? If to get to university... Yeah, it means that, like in my case, before you go to university, you have to be baptized. Otherwise, my parents didn't trust you to leave home. <laughs> so if it, means that you, if it means that you have to get baptized in JW faith, which means you have to do the study and all that, grit your teeth and do it, right? Yeah. Grit your teeth and do it. That, that is not the time to start to rebel and drag your feet Mm-mm. because you have a bigger aim in mind. Mm. So do it. If you need to, you know, if you need to dance, you know, to to you know, to lead people on, even though it's you will classify that as as deception. But if you need to do it, you need to do it because if you don't do it, then you might not get the life you want. Yeah, and and this is especially key for for uh, kids and teenagers growing up in JW world. The JWs are I don't know if you are aware they have a thing against higher education. Yeah, a yeah, very very yeah. very problem with it and the reason for that uh, and i know this because my dad was was a pretty high-ranking jw who had access to certain information that regular jws didn't mm-hmm. and as a result i had access to that apparently their retention rates for jws who go to universities under 20 percent wow so essentially once the kids get into higher education i start learning how to think yes i start, exper- I start experiencing the world from a wider angle they lose more than eighty percent mm-hmm. of those kids. That is telling something. So, which is why they have, yeah, they have an aggressive policy against higher education. That is why they do it. So, if you're in that situation, you should know that already the organization is doing everything it can to make sure that you have a life, to make sure that you don't have a future. So, you you need to give yourself a chance. So, whichever grades you need to get, you need to smash those grades. Whichever good behavior you need to be on, you need to be on it. If it means that the double life you want to live at school, you can't live it because you can't risk getting caught, you have to make that sacrifice, unfortunately. Unfortunately, you have to make that sacrifice because you, you, you have a goal. And when you get you, and when you get to your goal, then you can pay yourself back for all those years of, 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 deni- of self-denial that yeah. you had. Right? So again, as, as, I'll reiterate once again, the most important thing is to know what is happening inside your head, to understand what it is that you want. And then to draw a plan, a mental plan, based on these things that you want, that will take you from A to B over a certain course of, of years. And that's, that's, that's how I did it. So when I was, I started drawing my plan when I was 16. I remember I just, I just finished doing my, my O-levels. What, what, what do you call YX? I yeah. just finished doing mine. So I was, about to, I was about to start my A-levels. And I knew that my A-level program is, is one year. So I knew that potentially 
12 months from now, I could be, I could be leaving the house. Mm. I could be getting my freedom. Yeah. Right. So all I need to do over the next 12 months is get these grades, you know, and have this certain minimum base level of behavior and get baptized. I need to do this over the next 12 months and I'll have everything I ever wanted. And I did, and that's exactly what I did. I got the grades. So I did three level subjects, geography, business studies, and economics. Mm. I got ABC, which were the best grades of anyone else in my family <laughs> up until that point. ABC. <laughs> I got baptized. I remember it was a, it was a, it was a, either a circuit assembly or a special assembly, whatever it was. Is it immersion, uh, baptism, or sprinkling? Or? Yeah, it's proper immersion baptism. Okay. Like full. Yeah, I did that. And yeah, and then I ended up getting to another university where, you know, I had one year of, you know, I lost my virginity. You know, I had some ex- <laughs> those experiences before uh, I eventually then transferred. To, culture bullshit, man. Yeah. Yeah, bro, great now. So, now, how many years now? I'm counting in my head. Is this up to more than 10 years? You've been an atheist. How long? Yeah, so that was 2007. So that is 14 years now. Ah, um, you get experience. So, Please, we need recommendations. What what resources can you guide new atheists and uh, young atheists like us to maybe books, blogs, podcasts, YouTube channels? You can you give us some recommendation of the tip of your to be honest? To be honest, like in my time, because yeah. obviously it's different now. Yeah. Like the internet is much more of a thing now. Yeah. It wasn't it wasn't the case in two thousand and seven. Um in my time I there was a book. If I so and I usually don't like talking about atheism in terms of, oh, read this book or watch this podcast because it sounds almost like I'm steering someone toward it. Okay. Yeah. So, but it might, if, if I could recommend one book, I sort of opened my mind, uh-huh. like really, really, really opened my mind. It wasn't even, you can't even call it a book. It's like, it's like 30 pages or something. It's like, it's a pamphlet. pamphlet. Right? Okay. It was called, uh, it's called Letter to a Christian Nation by Sam Harris. Ooh. It's available online as as a free download. It's a PDF file. Okay. Literally, once I read that thing in 2007, like once I got to the last page, it was just so obvious inside my head that, right, not only do, do I identify as atheist now, I then realized that to an extent, all my life, I had actually been, I had actually been atheist. I never believed Indeed. in this stuff. It's just that I never allowed myself to acknowledge yeah. that I didn't believe in it. So if there's one book that sort of really opened my mind and made it possible to think, hmm. that it would probably be that. Um, it was called Letter to a Christian Nation by Sam Harris. Now, um, bear in mind that, again, because I was raised in a Christian background, so all everything I'm saying skews toward Christianity. Yeah. For people, like, for people who, who go down the, uh, the Mubarak Bala route, who are transitioning from Islam so to atheism, now that's a much more, that's a, much, that's a completely different root altogether and to be honest i'm not qualified yeah to say how that one goes uh, the one thing i can say is that that one is a lot it's that route is a lot more difficult very life-threatening literally because, huh. yeah, it's not just it's not just that it's life-threatening islam is a lot is a lot more anti uh, anti-intellectual than christianity they're both anti-intellectual but islam is significantly worse hmm. so the um the critical thinking ability needed to even question at a very basic level so most Muslims do not have that ability, unfortunately, because that is what Islam has been, has been expressly designed to do. Hmm. It has been expressly designed to beat out your your critical and your critical reasoning and your rational thinking. It's been expressly designed to do that. You know, it's uh, Islam now is where Christianity was maybe six hundred years ago. 
Yeah. It's a mess. Serious mess. So it's uh it's 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 a lot more difficult to transition, you know, someone coming from an Islamic background into humanism or atheism or agnosticism or you know, all those related things. So to be honest, I can't really say how it would work for someone from that kind of background, which is I can only speak for someone coming from a Christian backgrounds, which is why everything we've said on this podcast has skewed mm, so Christian. towards Christianity. Yeah. However, however, I can always point such people toward, uh, I think uh, Mubarak Bala, that's the atheist in Kano, yeah. who, who is in prison in Kano. I think he, he maintained a blog, if I remember correctly, and he, um, he also had a very active Facebook page, which I believe is still up. And he had, he had this sort of like mini library of texts that were expressly designed for for Muslims and, and, and for people coming from sort of like culturally Arab backgrounds mm. to transition out of dogmatic okay. faith. So I'm sure if you could Google him, just look for his Twitter handle, his Facebook page. Okay. I think you'll find some of those, those resources there. Wow. Yes. Really appreciate that, man. I didn't have it because Islam, I don't even talk too much about Islam because you can't talk about what you don't know. <laughs> Understand. So now, do you think uh, religion is uh, one of the contributing factors to the states of this country, to the way Nigeria is? Yes, I definitely think that religion is one of the factors that makes Nigeria what it is now. And obviously, there is going to be the perception that I'm saying this because I'm you know, quite publicly uh, irreligious, but over and beyond um the um, ideological disagreements that I have with the concept of organized religion and certain um, ideological, uh, theological tenets of Christianity and Islam as they're practiced in Nigeria. The fact is that what these religions generally, um, the, the way that they are practiced in Nigeria, the, the way they are used in Nigeria is, is in support of, of the status quo, hmm. basically. Um, so religion on its own is not necessarily something which is uh, which protects those in power. On its own, it can be used both ways. It can be used either way. But in Nigeria, it's used to protect the status quo. Yeah. It's used to protect the establishment. So uh, during the the, uh, the abolition era in the United States, the, the, the black church was a very important institution in dismantling slavery. So it was used against power, right? Mm. Nigeria is quite the reverse. In Nigeria, the the church or the mosque, whatever the institution of organized religion is used to maintain the existing power structure. So um, it's not rare to see people who hold the political and economic power in Nigeria also being the ones who, who, who mount the pulpits or who sit at the front in the, in the churches or who, who have special status sure. in the mosques and whatnot, who are patrons of the, of the masjids mm. and of the cathedrals. That's the unfortunate reality in Nigeria. That's what the Nigerian religious institution does. It protects power. It hobnobs with power. It doesn't stand on the side of people. It stands on the side of power. And the obvious fallout of, of this, the obvious implication of this is that whenever there's a choice to be made between standing with the people in a very obvious way and standing with power, the church, which is supposed to stand with the people based on you know, the, 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 the sort of um, teachings uh, preached by, by the Jesus of Nazareth and, and, and the Prophet Muhammad. Instead, these institutions end up sort of chewing their mouths and not 
saying anything either way, just sort of sitting on the fence and not not taking a defined position. And the most um, relevant, uh, the most recent example of this obviously will be NSARS. Yeah. When by and large, the Nigerian, um, the, the Nigerian religious establishments either refused to stand on the side of young people who were demanding for an end to police brutality or actively sided with the government, which was very much the case with the Islamic establishment. I said that, look, protesting against the government is not permitted in Islam. So that's, you know, that that is the role that religion plays in Nigeria. It, it protects the status quo. It does not stand on the side of the people. It doesn't help advance the cause of humanity, unfortunately. That's so true, man. That is so goddamn true. Yeah. So, bro, where can we find you online? We don't want to find you physically. Where can we find you online and all that you do? Well, I mean, up until a few hours ago, I'd have said go to my Twitter handle at the name. But now that now that your government has banned Twitter, <laughs> well, <laughs> what is the backup? What backup? <laughs> so, um, you can obviously you can find me. You can always find me on Facebook. Okay. Same name, David Dane. I'm on LinkedIn as well, okay. David Dane. Uh, I've I've run um, a Substack publication called um, uh, 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 West Africa Weekly. So that's uh, www.westafricaweekly.substack.com. Okay. So and um, if you join that mailing list, you uh, you can also get to have one on one. Speak to me one on one, and then of course for those who might have a bit of a, a you know a rapport with you know then be exchange email addresses, we exchange numbers, we chat on WhatsApp. Mm. Now that WhatsApp is going to be a problem going forward because Because if you read the notice that the Ministry of Information put out, um, basically WhatsApp is now registered, it's now required to get to be licensed by the ministry. In other words, there's a good chance that somebody's going to be reading your chats. Mm. So I don't know about WhatsApp going forward. You know, I don't know about it. Maybe Signal. Because Signal is like f- fully encrypted and, and hasn't been yeah. hasn't been compromised yet, to the best of my knowledge. You find a way around so, it. But yeah, that's, they are too daft yeah. to to hold us down that way. Oh yeah, they are. But the thing is, all the all they need, they don't need to do it themselves. All they need to do is just have some money to pay the Israeli guys to do it. Hmm. That's the thing. Hmm. So as long as they have that money, then you know we might be in trouble. Hmm. That's true. Those Israeli guys are not. Oh, anyway, when we get there, we'll cross that bridge. Exactly, exactly. We'll cross that bridge. So, so, bro, thank you for honoring this. Event. I really appreciate you giving us some of your time, especially knowing what you do. No worries. I'm always very happy to do this. All right, man. Thanks so much. Have a lovely rest of your day. You too. Thank you very much for for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with David. Check the show notes below. All the links you referred to of Mubarak, his own links, how to reach him. Please check the show notes below. Subscribe, Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcast. Free Thinkers Hangout to Free Thinkers Hangout on Clubhouse. Clubhouse is available on Android too now. Please join us. We, do, we, we, we create rooms at least once a week. Let us discuss. If you're an atheist, wherever you are, come in, share your thoughts. Let's, let's, let's rub minds. Let's, uh, let's know that we are, we, we did. Let's know we are, we are here. So please check out, check us out. Free thinkers, free thinkers hangout on Clubhouse. So that's all for this week. 
Have a great week ahead. Take care.